ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you've got ideas for future episodes of Ignition, please contact us. There are several ways you can do so. I'll give you a couple here today. Uh, Email. uh, The email address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or you can tweet at us. Use the Twitter handle at sfdiocese. Again, S-F-D-I-O-C-E-S-E, at SF Diocese, and with the hashtag Ignition, and your tweet will get properly routed to the proper twit. So, uh, again, my name is Chris Bergwald. If you never listened to Ignition before, I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Been in that role for, um, as we're recording at least, about 15 and a half years. Uh, married, uh, Jermaine and I uh, have been married for about 18 and a half years. And we have five kids from um, 13 and a half, I probably should say, on down to almost six. So um, that's just a little bit about me. My guest today is Shana Chews. Um Shana's got a fascinating story that that I'm excited for uh, you as our listeners to hear. But Shana, if you could just briefly um, introduce a little bit about yourself before we get into your story. Yes, thank you. I'm Shana Tews, and my husband Daniel and I um, came to the Catholic Church almost two years ago, and we also have five children from 12 down to three, and I'm a homeschooling mom, so that's a little bit about where I am now. You know, the Bergwalds and the Tews have a lot in common, I've realized over the few <laughs> years that I've gotten to know Daniel in particular, and uh, but then through him, you, and now obviously uh, talking with you as well. So uh, listeners, if you're curious, I, I, I had Daniel on, um, boy, when, sometime last fall, um, uh, early, early November, episode 335, uh, From Lutheran Pastor to Catholic Layman, A Convert's Tale is the, the catchy title for that one. So Shane, we'll have to see what we can come up with to title this one. Um, we'll do, maybe we'll do that after we're done recording. Um, so, so that, but that's his story. Three episode three thirty five for anybody who wants to go back and, and, and in our archives and listen, but Shane, I, 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 and, and actually this was your husband's ideas. As you know, he said, you should have Shane on sometime. And I thought that was a great idea. Uh, and recently his episode was brought up in a conversation and I thought, you know, I should have Daniel on again, but I really like his idea of having his wife on to hear, um, Shana's story, uh, because, we all have our own stories in a married couple. Obviously, the, the so much is done together, but we're still obviously our own people. And and I just thought it'd be really fascinating for myself, but then of course for our listeners to hear your story. So as a way into it, why don't you just uh, give us a little bit of about your own background growing up? So your husband was Lutheran. Were you raised in the Lutheran Church, or how 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 was it? Yeah, what, what's the what's your backstory, if you will, briefly? Well, it's a little strange. I My parents grew up Catholic, and so um, when they got married, they left the church for whatever reasons, and they had two children, myself and my brother, and so they had us baptized Catholic, but we never grew up Catholic. We never went to Mass. 
Um, I didn't know anything about Jesus. Uh, I didn't even know if we had a Bible in the home. So I never, I never grew up as a person of the faith. Um, when I was about in middle school time, some of my friends were attending a Protestant church, uh, going to church and to a youth group and invited me along. And mostly I probably just went because I wanted to be with my friends, but sure. through that, uh, became, uh, part of the Protestant church. Uh, it was Methodist church at the time and, um, started for the first time learning about our Lord and um, learning about the Trinity. Uh, so it's it's funny the way God brings you back. <laughs> right. So I was baptized and didn't know anything. Um, started to bring me back that way. Uh, when I met my husband and we got married, we kind of discussed. So so what are we going to do? Because I I grew uh, well. I spent time as a Methodist, but he his family was predominantly Lutheran, and that's very important to them. Um, way back in their family history. And so we said, well, that looks like we need to be Lutheran then. Right. <laughs> so I came into the Lutheran church um, shortly after we were married. Okay. And uh, so we were Lutheran from, from there. So just curious, so you, you're in junior high years or so, middle school, junior high, um, when you started practicing the Christian faith that you were baptized in, um, out of curiosity, is that something that you did then through, through the rest of school, junior high, high school on your own or, um, or did, did your family come to participate a little bit or did you always just go to church by yourself? Well, I, I did go by myself for several years, um, and then closer to high school, I think things in families that you get rocky times, and my mom decided she wanted to start going um, back to back to church. But um, So me already attending a church, she decided to come with me. And so we, we came into the Methodist Church together as members, and she still attends to that church to this day. So I'm, I'm thankful that she's closer to Christ again. Um, but then by college time, I started drifting away. Um, and it wasn't until I met my husband and, and we began going to church together that I, I came back to the church. So okay. I did have some drifting away years. Sure. And luckily my mom was able to to be in the church or in a church again. So um, she's the only one that I know of though, from my family that attends. Okay. So now I know your, your husband's from Indiana. Are you also from Indiana yourself then? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I grew up most of my life here in Indiana. So now, so you're in Indiana, you meet him, you get married, you enter the Lutheran church. He goes to seminary. Uh, Was that part of your plan (laughs) to marry, to marry, to be a pastor's wife? No, it, it's very strange because we uh, we had been dating for two and a half years and gotten married, been married for a couple of years, and this had never been even discussed. It was never even a thought on our radar that he would be a pastor. Uh, he was in the Marines at the time, and during the 2003 year, um, he was sent overseas to Iraq and was part of the initial invasion into Iraq. And it was uh, during those times where he felt this calling to be a pastor and um, back at home, I was still, we were, we decided that 
we got to make a decision. Are you, you going to stay in the Marine Corps? Or are you going to go back to college and finish your degree? And what, what college do you go to? And so a lot of decisions when he left for war, we said, we're going to, when you come back, these decisions are going to be set in stone. And so, um, I, I don't know how I just started having these feelings that he's supposed to be a pastor. And when he comes home to see what, what I had been, what God had laid on my heart, so to speak, uh, we both were saying the same thing. <laughs> and so, wow. um, it was so strange. We had just never discussed that before. Wow. Um, so you, so you, he be, so he goes to seminary, um, mm-hmm. and, gets ordained as a Lutheran pastor. You become pastor's wife. And I can't remember from his story, was it his, his first full, uh, full-time pastorate uh, call uh, that was it brought you to South Dakota, or was it further down the road than that? No, it was the first one. Um, the seminary that he went to in St. Louis, the Concordia um, seminary, your first call is assigned to you. You get some preferences, whether you want to be in the Midwest or you want to be a small parish or a large parish, you, you get some preferences. It doesn't mean they're going to be met. <laughs> they, they want sure. to hear what you have to say. And we, we definitely preferred being, staying in the Midwest because of, of family. Um, but, but we were, we were, um, assigned to three churches and, in um, South Dakota, Gettysburg, and Emmanuel in Gettysburg, and then a small church in Lebanon and Seneca. And so that's how we came to be in South Dakota for five years. Okay. So he's here, he's pastoring, you're you're having children, and and maybe starting to homeschool them. Um, And I want to fast forward a little bit, spend um, most of the time here talking about um, again, our listeners, you can listen to episode 335 and hear Daniel's conversion story. But that, that convert, tell me about, um, I don't, was it a conversation? Did he tell you? Did you start hinting at it? How did you come to find out that your, your husband, the Lutheran pastor, is thinking about becoming a Catholic? And, and, and how did you respond to that? Well, my husband apparently had been, you know, due to a, a question that was brought up and he just couldn't find the the right answer, a sufficient answer to his question. He had been reading um, the church fathers and and pouring over the works of the saints for about three years before he ever approached me with it. I think he was kind of hoping that he would um, read himself out of it, but instead he was reading himself into the truth. And so he never, he didn't say anything to me for a long time. Um, but, um, I had been, I, I, the Holy Spirit, I truly believe primed me to receive his news well before he gave it as the Holy Spirit tends to do plans, um, works in our lives well before we're aware of what's going on. And so before Daniel even approached me with the news, I had become part of a reading group invited by one of my friends who happened to be Catholic. The reading group was called the Well-Read Mom, and it's a Catholic reading group. Um, it's, it has yearly themes based off of an encyclical to women written by Pope St. John Paul II. So, like, the first year was the, that I was involved, it was the year of the mother, and then the year of the friend, and the year of the spouse. And so all the books that are chosen for the year um, go along with that theme. And so that had primed me. Plus, I was 
around all these faithful Catholic women who were so different than than I had been. I I was truly um, busy with children and and homeschooling, and I just could not find time to read the Bible. And sometimes I would I would realize that I had gone from Sunday to the following Sunday without any praying except for um, a blessing before meals. And this was not where I wanted my spiritual life to be, but being a busy mother of with children, I just thought, I, I don't know when I'm supposed to fit in the time for this um, kind of a spiritual life. But one of the books that we were supposed to read as part of the Well-Read Mom Group was by Brother Lawrence, and it was called The Practice of the Presence of God. Mm. And he is a monk who spoke so much about being busy, especially in the kitchen. And I thought, well, I can relate to that. And he said he would be washing dishes and in his head praying, being in the presence of God. And he'd be peeling potatoes and he'd be praying and being in the presence of God. And I thought, oh, this is, these are the words I needed to hear to take my spiritual life to where I wanted it to be or thought I wanted it to be because I was just too busy to and when you're waking up throughout the night with children, is the last thing you want to do is wake up even earlier in the morning. Right. I thought your prayer life had to be somewhere quiet and sure. somewhere just you and your Bible and no interruptions. And that's just not the place that God had placed me in my life. <laughs> my current situation wasn't going to allow for that. And so I was trying to figure out a way to make this better. I would go to my well-read mom group and these beautiful Catholic women, they just spoke with such a deep faith. They, their lives didn't just, weren't just their lives. And then on Sunday or Saturday, they went to mass their whole lives, every decision they made for their family, for themselves, for their children, it all revolved around their faith. How would, would this decision affect their faith was how they made any decision. And I so admired that and so wanted that and felt so inadequate as a pastor's wife who had none of that. And so I thought this book, The Practice of the Presence of God, I thought maybe this is what I need to, um, to do to bring God to be in his presence all the time to practice that. And somehow, it made me think of the rosary, and I'm not, I wasn't Catholic, I didn't know anything mm. about the rosary, but I thought, this is a, a string of beads that I just understood that Catholics use for prayer, and not knowing how it was used, I thought, well, maybe this could be of some help to me, maybe I could keep track of prayers throughout the day, just if I start the morning and want to commit to saying 20 prayers, I could keep track along this little string of beads. This is just my own thoughts at the time, yeah. not understanding. And so I asked my husband one day, who's my pastor, do you think there's any problem with a, a Lutheran praying the rosary? <laughs> and knowing, he, still him knowing what he's finding out in his readings about the church and keeping that silent, he said, no, I don't, I don't think there's any problem wow. with that. And so even before my husband had a chance to talk to me about what he had been reading, the Holy Spirit was at work and our Blessed Mother was at work because I, I, I confided in my, my one friend who got me involved in the group. I said, I think we're going to start praying the rosary, but I, we don't know how. And um, she right away drives over in bad weather to bring us a copy of how to pray the rosary. Wow. <laughs> I think she knew that this was an important step. 
And so my husband and I got rosaries that year for Christmas, and we began to pray the rosary, not together, but separate. And I have to admit, this was so hard, reading the Hail Mary for the first time, because Lutherans and, and I assume Protestants in general, we we don't have a relationship with the Blessed Mother. Right. It's so sad to think back about that now, um, but we don't, and and we're kind of we were trained to believe that Catholics worshipped Mary or or gave her an undue amount of honor. And so with those false thoughts in our heads, it just felt it was such an, a, a retraining to pray the Hail Mary. But through the books that I was reading, I had just felt like this was what I was supposed to be doing at that time was praying the rosary. So that was a lot to get over, um, these prayers, the Hail Mary. And you know, I had mentioned to somebody before that I had no idea that she is our mother, our heavenly mm. holy mother, but she knows who all her children are. Right. And so right away, I just know that she was interceding without me even fully understanding what I was doing by praying that rosary. She was already hard at work. The Holy Spirit, her spouse was hard at work priming me to accept my husband's news. So I had been in this reading group for, well, for probably about a year at the time. And my husband and I, we like to read. We read a lot of books. And sometimes the only time you get a chance to read is when you're laying in bed at night, getting ready to to go to sleep. We would both be sitting there with our books. And he always reads his theological books. And (laughs) I'm reading my books for my well-read mom group. And he would just stop and put his book down one time. He stopped and put his book down and said, wow, you know, I, I think the Catholics are really right on this point. And I think this was his gentle way of kind of broaching these waters with me. And I remember the first time he said it, I laughed and said, now, Daniel, I don't think a Lutheran pastor should say something like that to you. <laughs> and he just, he dropped it, you know, in his gentle way. He had brought it up and seen my reaction and just kind of dropped it. And a couple months later, we're there reading again, and he drops his book on his lap again and says, wow, you know, the, the Catholics really have it on this point. I'm sure of it. And I'm starting to get a little concerned at this point. Okay. And I say, Daniel, um, I think you're reading too much. I think you're reading a little too much. And so um, he lets it go again and just lets the Holy Spirit do the work. And a few months later, for the third time, he brings it up again. And this time he says, Shana, I think that we are supposed to become Catholic and I'm just floored. I I think my husband's gone crazy and I, you know, what do you mean we're supposed to be Catholic? And then he gently lays it on and says, you know, I've actually been researching this for years and here's what I'm finding. And he's showing it to me in books. And when it hits home, it takes a, a little bit of time. And when it hits home that what I believed about the Catholic church was wrong and what I believed we were doing as Lutherans was is wrong, and where does a person stand when it felt like the carpet had been pulled out from under me? You know, I loved God, and I love His Son Jesus, and um, but but what am I supposed to do now? I don't, I don't want to be a Catholic because I I have all these misunderstandings about what the Catholic Church is, but now understanding more about 
the Lutheran Church and what truly has happened, I can't, I don't feel safe in that camp anymore. And I just felt so alone and so lied to. Um, so it took a little time and prayer. And of course, Daniel helped. He gave me a book to read and said, I think this is where you should begin. And it was a book by Scott and Kimberly Hahn called mm. Rome Sweet Home. Sure. And uh, he also was a Protestant minister and his wife. Um, they had to, to go along this path too and find their way after the world being shaken out from under their feet. And so it was comforting to know that what we were about to go through wasn't new territory. Other people had gone the same way. And from there, started praying the rosary more. And, um, and, and that's how he kind of bridged this gap and this gave the information to me about what he had been researching for all this time. His journey was so theological and yet mine was so different. It was, it was emotional and worrisome. I I made sure I tell them if you're going to leave the Lutheran church, because, because we, this was our job. This was our, our livelihood and our home was a parsonage owned by the church. So I said, make sure you don't breathe a word of this to, to the church and don't leave until you have secured other employment. But of course, God works in, in his own mysterious ways. And, <laughs> and it wasn't exactly how we had planned this route going, <laughs> but that's a little bit about yeah. how he spread the news to me. You're listening to Ignition. This is a broadcast for the New Evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and I'm talking today with Shana Tews, um, who, together with her husband, who, um, he'd been a, a Lutheran pastor. She was Lutheran. They had raised, were having children in the faith, um, ended up coming into the Catholic Church. So you're just talking, Then we've got about five minutes left in this episode, Shana. Time's gone quickly, as it usually does in great, <laughs> sto- compelling stories like this. Um, so you, you just described uh, the sort of events leading up to, and how, as, as you said, how God has be, had already been moving in your heart, uh, preparing you um, over Daniel, just dropping these hints uh, slowly, but more, more and more loudly over the, over the months. Um, <laughs> so you get to this point where you're, you're wrapping your mind and, and your heart around this. Just the last, the last few minutes we have here today, tell us what, what's sort of the rest of the story about you coming. So you, I just let listeners know you move back to Indiana then, and it's there mm-hmm. that you go through RCI and enter into the church to shed a little bit of light on, on that part of the story. Okay. Um, well, deciding to leave the church was so heart-wrenching. Um, and we, our friends from the Well-Read Mom Group, they really, I think, made this possible. They prayed for us. They prayed rosaries for us. One of the families helped move us here. They knew how much it was going to cost to um, get a moving truck to move a family of seven across the country. So they they um, said, you rent the largest U-Haul, and they, they're farmers, so they have CDL licenses and felt comfortable driving it. Um, they drove us across country to move us, and it's so, it was such a sacrifice of self because our one friend, he has Parkinson's disease. He knew he couldn't make that drive by himself, so he asked his son. It was a, it was a whole family wow. thing. Asked his son to help drive. I mean, he had never met us before the son and helped us help drive us a thousand miles and then fly back. So, so we get here in the, the first, um, the first couple of weeks were very uh, lonely. Um, our families did not, 
They were not in support of what we had just done. I have a feeling, you know, like the world's view of, of what God does, we looked very irresponsible. We, we sure. got here with the impression that Daniel had a job, and as soon as we got here, that kind of fell through. So we ended up here in a small apartment for the time being and jobless. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, the one thing that we had hoped was that God would send us on this path with, with something to land on on the other side, but he was just saying, you go and trust. And, and so things just worked out a little later than we had anticipated, but all in his good time. And, and so we, we did, a, the, you know, the calendar that used to be full when we had been in Gettysburg was now empty. Sure. We had friends in Gettysburg and, and Lebanon, and, and now we move here where we had to make new friends. And, and, you know, over time, God did all of that. But it was such an exciting experience. We were attending Mass um, on Sunday and um, we would just live to get to Sunday each week. You know, it was so hard at first because when we do, we, we try to conform our will to God's will, but it, it, the things he asks of us are difficult sometimes. The dying to self, it really physically, emotionally, it hurts. And so we would just live to try to get through the week to get back to Sunday so we could go to Mass again, even though at for a while we were just receiving you know, spiritual communion until um, Easter Vigil of 2016 when we were, we were coming to the church. Finally, it felt like it had been such a long journey, and our friends from South Dakota who had moved us out here just surprised us and showed up for our um, coming into the church. So, um, it just seemed like such a family event, and, and since then, we've gotten very active in our church, and um, just uh, aside from, it, it is painful to follow God's will because it often asks sacrifices of us, but the joys and the the hopes that that He has given us since coming are greater than any joys or hopes that we've ever had before, and and receiving our Lord and understanding His true presence now has been um, such a mystical union with Him that we never really had before, never understood, never grasped that idea of the true presence of Christ and have become more aware that the heavenly realm and our earthly realm are so much more intertwined than we ever realized, and that the becoming now we have a relationship with our saints, and we, we just seem to devour books about the saints and try That's, to learn yeah. about this other group that is fighting for us Amen. in this, in this uh, life of Christianity here on earth. Amen. Shana, we've got 20 seconds left. So like your husband, <laughs> we're going to have you back on again on another episode of Ignition. Um, I, but I, I just real quickly, um, I know that you also do a podcast. Can you, what's the website if people want to listen to the show that you do? Oh, yes, it's um, WabashValleyCatholic.wordpress.com. Wabash, Wabash. WabashValleyCatholic.wordpress.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's W-A-B-A-S-H is Wabash. Okay, great. Shana, thank you so much for being on today. It's been a great episode. It's been a joy to hear your story. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Well, thanks for having me. Sure. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.